0: Welcome back to another episode of Get to the Good Part. My name is Ryan. I am John. And today we are discussing Chapter 13 of Ready Player One, a chapter that begins with H clearing the first gate the very following morning.
1: Yep. We're a third of the way. (laughs) We're a third of the way through the book.
0: (laughs) So, okay, so, so the big takeaway for me on this one is that, you know, H clears the first gate first try same as uh, same as Wade.
1: Yeah. They're probably equal talent levels.
0: I don't know if that comes from, you know, them working together. They they go through great pains throughout the entire book to say that they're solo gunters and they they work alone. But really, mm-hmm. I mean, at, at every trial we've seen so far, you know, one of the things that that we've seen is that Wade kind of reminisces about things that he's done with H that have helped prepare him for this.
1: Um, I think it's funny. Like, I wonder if H did the same thing that Parzival did in switching sides, because he doesn't give H that clue or hint. He tells Artemis, hey, why don't you try switching sides? But he doesn't say it to H. If h didn't switch sides does that mean that h may be a better joust player
0: well that's a good point but but one of the things that he brings up is that when he played against h in the basement he always played on that one side yeah so but but at the same time like it gave it gave artemis an advantage so yeah it's kind of hard to tell yeah it's really hard to tell that's a good point so Wade goes back to school The following morning, uh, this is just After clearing the first gate, concerned That his absence might make others Suspicious, but when he gets there, over Half the teachers and students just aren't At school, Yeah, um, <laughs> because this Is a fucking holiday, basically I mean, you know, it's it's the thing that I mean, some people have thought it's an urban legend Up to this point, a, a lot of people Probably thought that this would never happen And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, you've got Three people stacked up on, on The scoreboard, you know, the world is night and day different from what it was you know 24 hours prior
1: yeah he's he's one of the students that didn't partake in senior ditch day yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's what it reminded me of
0: he's already said he's got the credits to pass but he just can't miss any school right like so he's otherwise they take
1: away his visor and gloves but does he does he have enough to pay for new ones or upgrades at this point. Well, we'll credits. get into
0: that a little bit later in the chapter. But I mean, like as far as that first uh, that first day back, like right now, I mean, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. We know he he cleaned up about twenty thousand from you know just looting that room in the Tomb of Horrors. So right. you would think that would be enough to get yourself some uh, some haptics well, and everything. That's, yeah,
1: I mean, if that's the only thing that's keeping him from, well, it's not. The only thing keeping him from going to school because he thought, well, if I don't show up, maybe they'll know it's me. That's not the case.
0: Right. And th- this is something that that I, I kind of got in my notes. I've got blown out a little bit later in the chapter because mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's 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 a tough one for me to crack. Like I, okay. I just I, I don't see that. I don't see that that's the primary reason. Like, OK, uh, we'll, we'll, get into we'll get it. We'll get into it. We'll get it, into yeah. it. Yeah. Let's let's <laughs> just move one thing at a time here. Um, over half the teachers and students are no shows. Uh, like I said, this sort of confirms something that we touched base on back in the Miss Rank chapter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I say the Miss Rank chapter because if you've been listening to the show, John made a really good point in saying that it's, you know, it's it's sort of serendipitous that he finds out that the tomb is on Lutus. While he's sitting in Miss Rank's class and Rank seems like a pretty straightforward connection to, you know, to terminology for for a scoreboard.
1: That's that's my one pat myself (laughs) on the back moment
0: that'll be your swan song (laughs) in the podcast
1: yeah if i don't have any more of those moments we have to reference back to that at the end of the book (laughs) just the one time that i had something to contribute
0: (laughs) but for the most part Wade pretty much goes undetected in this uh in school that day which isn't really a too surprising i mean he was he was pretty much undetected before but uh, he mentions here that his dad would have gotten a kick out of it because it was almost like he had a secret identity, like Clark Kent. <laughs> I think that's I. You see the correlation. Like we've talked a lot about how the first, the first part of the book is almost like an origin story of Parzival as a superhero. You know and what I now mean? Now he's
1: become one.
0: Yeah. This is the, <laughs> this is that moment after like Spider-Man stops his first crime <laughs> or like <laughs> Batman <laughs> stops his first crime. You know, and it's like, oh well, I have the reason for. A secret identity now.
1: Right, right. right.
0: It's like he, he's he's done his first thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, immediately after this, we've got IROC threatening to blackmail H and Z. Um, yeah. Really living up to being a piece of shit here. <laughs> I mean, every time I see his name in this book, it's just sheer hatred. I'm feeling yeah, sheer I, hatred. I,
1: I, I want to... I want to see him as a comedic relief, but uh, he's definitely looking like a dipshit or a, or a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> like uh, and f- and fur- and it's even more so here.
0: Right. And, and furthermore, I mean, this is the thing that that kind of sticks with me in this part of the chapter is that for all intents and purposes – H has as much background on Parzival as Iroc does. I mean, they've spent more time together, so he knows him a little better as a person. He knows his proclivities, but they you know, the two things that are important to knowing that the tomb is on Ludus at this point in the book is one, that Parzival has no money to travel. Right. <laughs> and two, that he goes to school on Ludus. And yeah. in, in, in he we already we established that I knows both of those things to be true. So H figures it out in, in minutes, basically, I mean, like, <laughs> as soon as he sees yeah, almost Oaks, immediately, yeah, as yeah. soon as he comes up on the board, he's like, all right, I can put two and two together. And he's at the tomb, you know, right about the time that he clears that first gate uh, I is blackmailing them because he can't put that shit together himself you know not surprising because as we saw before he puts very little effort into the whole thing he seems like like a novice right from going yeah
1: back. yeah I'm, I don't I don't know if it's that he's not capable of it but he just his his track is not one of a do it yourself I I've got pride in my own work it's I somebody else has this I'm going to I need it, too, by whatever shady means I can come up with.
0: Right. I mean, it's like it's like he doesn't care that that scene in the basement is a perfect example. I mean, he's bringing them something that they're already well established. You know, it's well established in Gunter culture verse in scripture. I mean, they've got it nailed <laughs> as soon as he yeah. brings out something to try and stump him. It just doesn't work. But, but then again, that's why H and Parsifal are two of the you know first three people. To uh, clear that gate because they do know more than most people. So, I mean, I don't know if Irock is just like incredibly stupid or if he's just like your average gunter. It's kind of hard to tell.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell right now. It might be might be more of a status thing for him, the whole hunt. Right. As opposed to H and Parsel really taking it to heart.
0: Well as far as statuses go, I'm pretty sure his stat in the basement from now on is gonna be persona non grata because he goes ahead and he goes out and gives all this information out about um, Parzival and, and H going to school on Ludus and all that kind of thing. They were hoping that it would kinda of get lost in the fuzz because there's a lot of people talking and saying that they know Parzival and they know Artemis, but you know, they're they're kinda of full of shit. Um, yeah. they were hoping that this would get washed out. Uh, in the same way, but unfortunately it does not. And a couple days later, um, the, you see the uh, the first appearance of a couple other gunters, Daito and Shoto, uh, together known as Daisho.
1: Obviously a team.
0: Obviously a team. <laughs> Their names hint at the fact that they are actually a team. Daito and Shoto were the names of two kinds of shor- swords that a samurai would carry together. Uh, if they're carried together, they're known as a Daisho. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what the public has, uh, has come to call them is Daisho. But Daido and Shoto, that's really all we know of them is their names at this point. I was joking with John and, and Chris before. You've got a culture of people who are obsessed with, you know, the the same things that, that Halliday was into. So it's it's kind of funny, like maybe the world knew enough to call them Show, but I saw it more as like a fucking Benefer. Or, <laughs> you know, or something like yeah. that. Like they just put the two names together. Brangelina. <laughs> yeah, Brangelina or Benefer, uh, You know, pick your poison. I don't that. know any of the other ones. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I am not an Us Weekly reader, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> but I do think it's it's uh, interesting that this is a question that I brought up previously. They, they clear the tomb like fifth, one right after another, like 15 minutes between, I think is, is, is what he says. So it doesn't – it didn't reset. So I'm wondering how they were able to do that. And I'm hoping that that gets – I'm glad it gets brought up. I'm hoping it gets answered at some point.
0: Well, you know, and I, I don't want to open anything up beyond this point, obviously. But the first thing that came to my mind when I read this part was that – if they were working as a team, they probably went in together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's a solo instance at the very end, and that's the Joust fight. So I always imagine yeah. that they were allowed to go through the tomb together. We, we know that they can exist in the tomb together. But I wonder if when they reach the uh, yeah. it it splits it off into two solo instances. Yeah, I, so so one of their get because they they would both have to be if they're going to be up on the board to get uh, separately, they would mm-hmm. each have to beat the Lich King. So, if they if they both have to beat the Lich King, then I mean maybe one of their games went a little bit longer than the other. I don't know. It's one hard of to them
1: one in two rounds as opposed to three rounds, in the best of three. Something right. along that, those lines.
0: Yeah, that or you know maybe it just like. Kept their bird alive a little bit longer, or something like that. That'll open up a little bit uh, in the next few chapters. We'll have another chance to talk about that, um, okay. and there will be some information that'll kind of give us a little more clarity onto that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll that's save what that I'm as a hoping conversation for a different time.
1: Well, I mean, he points it out too. You know, it's like, hmm, they were able to do it. You know, fifteen minutes apart mm-hmm. uh, without it resetting. I wonder how that happened. So, I'm not the only one that. Yeah, Just questioning it. He's, no, the way he's it is wondering as well.
0: <laughs> he's wondering at this point, but we'll we'll get um. There's there's a point in the next couple of chapters that I think kind of uh, opens this up a little bit. I won't say confronts it directly, but um, but we'll get a little bit of clarity on it, and we can kind of rehash it then. Yeah, because uh, yeah. it'll make a little more sense then. All right, so here we are uh, four days after the first gate is cleared by Parsville. And now we've got five gunters up on the board who have obtained the copper key and cleared the first gate. Uh, this is after five years of trying. <laughs> five years. The, uh, the egg hunt has been a thing. And, and here and we they, are.
1: And, they, and you, you know that there's a lot of capable gunters out there. Because every one of them passed the, the first gate on the first try. Yeah. Or, you know, I'm assuming the first try, because I mean, it was a few hours for, it seems like everybody passed it on the first try. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of people that really studied and really dedicated themselves to, to the hunt.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, these are the ones that are kind of filtering out. I mean, if you're, you're imagining like there's a good portion of the world that's, that's searching for this egg or at least interested. Right. So, I mean, for for five people in four days, given some additional clue, I mean, like, if you've been obsessed with that passage or that clue for years, Mm -hmm. you know, you would imagine that for the most dedicated, that one extra little clue would be enough to push you over the edge, right?
1: Yeah, right.
0: So, um, so yeah, so after five years, uh, here we go. This goes back to what Og said, like we were talking about um, in chapter 12. About, you know, one person can keep a secret, two people cannot. You know what I mean? And I don't think he was talking about – I didn't get a chance to talk about this much with you guys. I don't think it's so much about them blabbing their mouths to somebody else when he says that. I think he says that there will be enough information between the two Mm -hmm. people that, you know, that find this um, that, that people will begin to start to, you know, be able to put that together.
1: Right, what it does uh,
0: the, the levy breaks,
1: right? And that's that was my take too. I didn't think that Wade or Artemis would break as far as disclosing any information, but uh, it's you know the it's the more that know, mm-hmm. <laughs> the more that know them, and information is just going to get out one way or the other.
0: Exactly. Uh, so Wade's finding it hard to focus on school right now. Uh, that's not really a big deal, because like we said, he doesn't really need the credits, so he can just kind of coast right now. Uh, but he's got mm-hmm. he's got the words of the quatrain stuck in his head as he's sitting there. The quatrain is what he's come to call the, uh, the clue that he found at the end of the War Games flick sync, which goes, the captain conceals the jade key in a dwelling long neglected, but you can only blow the whistle once the trophies are collected. Now he's kind of spinning his wheels over what the captain means, what the dwelling means, and all this kind of thing. I mean, this is just like the first clue. Without context, it means absolutely nothing. It is just a Damn. mind-boggling thing in the world. But it made me think, and you know, he names off a few different captains as he's trying to figure out who it is. Right. Um, and I kind of thought it would be fun to like add to that list. <laughs> what do, okay. Who does he say? He says, like, Captain Kangaroo. Does
1: um, he say Captain Kirk?
0: I don't know that he says Captain Kirk.
1: Well, if he doesn't, then there's my addition. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not,
0: <laughs> I'm not a Star Trek fan. You so. know the one. You know the one that was missing. He doesn't
1: a... say Captain Kirk. He doesn't. No. And Captain w- Kangaroo, Captain America, Captain Buck Rogers.
0: Yeah. So so there's like a whole there, there's a whole little uh, little sub discussion about uh, who are your favorite captains. Oh geez. But the, Captain
1: are, Captain uh Han Solo.
0: Captain Caveman.
1: Captain <laughs> Captain <laughs> Caveman.
0: That's a good one. Yeah.
1: That is a good one. That was uh, one that
0: kind of came to head.
1: Yeah, I I haven't been able to dive deep into this riddle. A whole lot. It means nothing to me. Yeah. Right <laughs> but, but it's good to see this this part of the chapter because it means nothing to Wade as well. So I don't this feel is, so like left out.
0: This is somebody who's so well versed in, you know, I mean, in the Anorak's Almanac and everything. And like he reads this and he's just like, it is no clear.
1: Captain Beefheart. <laughs>
0: Captain Beefheart. You can see him being on a playlist for Wade, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's experimental a little bit. But uh but anyways, you know, all of our favorite <laughs> captains aside, he's hung up on that for a little while. And then even more mind bogglingly frustrating is the dwelling long neglected, because this can mean so many different things. Yeah. I mean, in in, in this genre. You know, I mean, if you if you especially if you lump horror into there, I mean, it becomes impossible. Uh, the one lead he gets, I think, just to clear it out uh, for anybody who's reading this book would probably be like Revenge of the Nerds. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, he mentions going to the planet Skullnick to see if that that house might have been the house. Uh, you know, probably one of the quintessential movie montages of the 80s was the you know the repairing of that house uh planet Skolnik obviously being uh lewis Skullnick, uh one of the main characters in the book yeah. he was played by i can't remember the actor's name but um his second most famous credit aside from uh being in revenge of the nerds i believe was, he was the dad on hannah montana or not oh. hannah montana i'm sorry um uh whatever hillary duff she was in it what was it called lizzie mcguire was it Oh, Lizzie McGuire. He was the dad in Lizzie McGuire.
1: You know, you're Disney. Your children. modern Disney. <laughs> <have television>.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Actually, my, 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 my son, who's, who's the oldest is not old enough to justify me knowing who Lizzie McGuire <laughs> yeah. is. That's more back to like my little brothers. <laughs> that
1: brings up a few more questions. But
0: we'll yeah. That. I'm not independently going out and watching this <laughs> stuff. I promise. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Lizzie McGuire is like, like, in that, her was, that was a now. rough time. Yeah. A
1: Hilary Duff phase. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get enough yeah, of it.
0: That was not canon. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Have been so canon. I need to watch.
1: I need to watch Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Catch some hints.
0: Go out and watch it. <laughs> oh, God. So the lines drive me crazy. Um,. And I kind of know this feeling Uh, you and I have dealt with this kind of same thing before Um, writing songs or writing anything really where you become obsessed with maybe a line or two of something and it has the power to completely fog your brain from, from being capable of thought.
1: Yeah. He might not be focusing on the right part of this riddle and I I don't know, but yeah, he's just getting hung up on one thing and it, yeah, I, I, I mean, like you said, songwriting wise, like, if we we're stuck on a lyric or part or a transition, it's just like you're beating it to death. And sometimes it's the, it's the simplest thing explanation that you just are overlooking because you're trying to get so deep into it.
0: So you stand up, you walk away and a lot of the times you come back and there, the answer is just sitting right in front of you. (laughs) Right. You know? Uh, And that's kind of where, that's kind of where we land at this point. Um, we kind of transition to outside of his school on Ludus. He's sitting under a tree, and um, and what I would say is like a typical spot you'd find uh, an outcast sitting in from an eighties movie. There always to be seems to be like an indoor outdoor theme to high schools in the nineteen eighties. I don't know if that was a yeah. thing because I wasn't in high school in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> but it's just like the you know the cafeteria is outside, or like people are just kicking it outside. It seems like the middle of the day. It's like. My yeah, we couldn't
1: go outside. Yeah, we
0: weren't allowed to go. <laughs> we would have gotten, like, gotten busted by a cop if we yeah. had walked outside of the school.
1: And we weren't in a dangerous area. No, either. we
0: weren't. <laughs> it was just... But anyways, <laughs> that's not the case for Wade because he's not even really in the world. He is in the idyllic setting uh, around his school on Ludus, provided by the Oasis. Um, and it sounds pretty peaceful out there. Uh, He's sorting through millions. He says millions of messages and you could probably understand uh, that it would be millions. I mean, there have got to be people reaching out to him, you know, from people who want to know more about how he found it to, you know, as we'll get into endorsements and companies reaching Mm -hmm. out to him. Um, One of the things that he uh, that he reads through is he's getting invited to a lot of the prominent uh, clans around the Oasis, um, the Gunter clans. Uh, four specifically, the four biggest over Raptors, Clan Destiny, the Key Masters, and Team Bonsai. Now, <laughs> Key Masters, you would,
1: which one would you join? Uh, which you one had to would join, I join one of the four.
0: I, I mean, Key Masters, I'd be <laughs> I'd be drawn to just because it's Ghostbusters.
1: Well, yeah, I would too. I would have I would have thought you would have picked uh, yeah Clan, Clan Destiny. Destiny. Yeah, <laughs> if we it, had to. The we didn't have to bring it up. The book brought it the up. The book brought it Destiny. up this time.
0: But it, you know, and here's the thing. If it were connected to Destiny, of course that would be the one that I would do. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I know. I would take Key Masters.
0: Yeah. I, I'd probably but but I would lean on Key Masters if Destiny had something not to do with, you know, Bungie's Destiny. Uh the team bonsai. Over Raptors. This is a cool one. This is a little bit of an Easter egg in the book from um Ernest Klein. I think it kind of points again to the care that he takes in in naming some of the things throughout the book just just the detail uh over is actually a kind of dinosaur um were i a smarter man i could tell you what genus and everything like that (laughs) i am not um and i did not include that in my notes but uh it does mean egg taker in latin so there you go
1: it's pretty cool
0: yeah um so he's getting offers for book and movie deals, um, and and this is the this is a uh, this is something that he's he's not really interested in. Although you would think that above anything, book and movie deals would kind of be his thing. I mean, he has a chance to be to enter the pop culture lexicon.
1: Yeah, well, he does say he does say um, that he he didn't want to have to reveal his identity until after he found the egg. So right. he's probably like, he's probably like, uh, let's save these yeah, and get back to them later.
0: <laughs> well, and I have that written down in my notes too, because I think it's a really cool point of distinction here. I'm not revealing my identity, at least not until after finding the egg. Yeah. Um, he I does mean, delete by then, them
1: though. Yeah. By then, he I mean, he, save them.
0: he's going to kind of have to, because, you know, real world Wade if he wins would have to step up and take over um GSS yeah right so i mean eventually he'll have to and i think he understands that i don't there's really not a whole lot to suck out of that line i mean we, we could probably dig into it for a while but it's yeah. just it's it's an interesting point of distinction that he goes into there yeah. um now he is a little bit more interested in these endorsement deals they're offering him some money um, he actually yeah. writes back to some of these uh, with a strict rule. I'm only doing this through my avatar. Um, within an hour, he's getting replies uh, with contracts in them uh, for him to e-sign. And he says, "I don't even have time to, or or the money to look over it with an attorney, so I just went ahead and signed him.
1: Yeah, it just se- it's like you're showing your age, kid. Here's a public service <laughs> like, to I, anybody I-
0: listening. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I, I would have taken a little more time to look over it. He's just like, uh, I just can't do it. I'm just, I'll just sign it. It's I not, need the money.
0: Yeah. And like, it's, ugh. it's not like it's terms and conditions for iTunes, man. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like you, you're about, you, you, you have potential you right now you have an advantage over just about anybody in the world to go and win $249 billion you have an advantage over everybody in the world. And that yeah. could happen within the year and they said that all the contracts that he signs expired within a year. Regardless what like are you skimming them? Did did he say he was skimming? I think he, he might have said he skimmed no,
1: them. I don't I don't I I don't he says he signs immediately. <laughs> That's what he says. I signed immediately with and, no lawyer. <laughs> I I mean <laughs> You've got a little bit of time. I know you want to get to this riddle, Dude. but just <laughs> I mean, escape for a minute and read through a couple pages.
0: he's probably excited too. I mean, like, like you well, think yeah. about it. Okay. Um, you know, here he is this, this kid from the stacks. And for the first time he's being offered, you know, he's getting some attention. I don't think that really phases him too much, but he's getting offered just stacks and stacks of cash. And that's got to be hard to turn down. You know what I mean?
1: Well, and it's he, – he says it's not – like it doesn't make him rich by any means. But it would – like the amount of money that he's going to get would take him out of the stacks.
0: Right. Well, I and I want to break – I've got two points noted that I want to break that down a little bit. OK. Um, but one last thing about this, the endorsements thing. Um, there's a part in Mass Effect, which I know you have not played – but um, as sh- as your cap uh, your uh, character as your character Commander Shepard sort of gains no- notoriety from completing missions and things like that, he starts mm-hmm. getting hit up when he goes back to the Citadel, which is sort of incipio in the book. It's like you know, it's it's the capital of the Milky Way, and when he okay. goes back, he's getting offers to to endorse products and things like that. So they'll just stick a recorder in in front of his face and be like, I'm Commander Shepard and I endorse, you know, this type of gun or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's sort of like, you know, you can choose to do that or you can choose not to, but it reminded me a lot of, um, you know, how Parzival's using his avatar to gain these endorsements and everything like that. It's, it's sort of, to me, it looked like a callback to Mass Effect may not have been, but I thought it was kind of cool
1: couldn't he have um, just waited till like he needed the money right. like oh shit i gotta get off this planet let me just let me just put a little money <laughs> into my uh into my sack here and <laughs> sign a couple deals
0: well okay so so like i like i was saying before um he says that this amount of money is not going to make him rich but it's a fortune to somebody who's lived in the stacks their whole life and and you yeah. know doesn't even know what a stack of money looks like um. Here's my first question, as far as this is concerned. Everybody at school, you know, who sees him knows that he's been wearing a default skin since he started. Right? We're talking about yeah. Wade, not Parzival They they know um, that he's just been wearing that default skin. I mean, one of the first chapters of the book is him getting ribbed about basic for, for that very thing. Right. Now, he's talking about going off to places like uh, like Planet Skolnick. Is no one noticing that all of a sudden Wade is, like, leaving Ludus? <laughs> hmm. And I don't know where that sits in the time frame. This He might be talking yeah. ahead a little bit about going to Planet Skolnick. You know what I mean? But at this point— Yeah, I don't book, know when he did it. Right. At this point in the book, it's just like, you know, you talk about keeping a low profile by, you know— like making sure you're going to school and everything like that. But at the end of the day, are you like splitting from (laughs) Ludus? You know, I, maybe it just looks like he logs out anyways when he becomes Parzival. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing.
1: Or how closely are people paying attention to him? If he's such a poor, like nobody on Ludus,
0: this is, this is him dipping into the, uh, dipping into the, uh, the phone booth to, throw, to rip his <laughs> shirt off and take off yeah. into the Oasis <laughs> to save lives. Um, but he's the another thing that he mentions. <clears throat> sorry, another thing that he mentions here is that his dream of leaving the stacks is about to come true. Um, thinking about the endorsement deals and uh, how much they're worth, he could probably afford an efficiency apartment in Columbus, which is where he's always wanted to live, uh, a place where GSS is, and the most reliable connection to the Oasis. Um, this is the thing, (laughs) given the scope of the Oasis, right? He is basically the world's biggest star. I mean, he is, he is the Michael Jordan of the Oasis right now and he's signing endorsement deals. It's a question of inflation, I guess a little bit. Or, or how much maybe that they're offering him. Maybe they're lowballing him and he's not even negotiating. Because clearly he's not negotiating. So he's probably just taking whatever lowball offer. <laughs> right. But seriously, think about it. I mean, he's the biggest star in the Oasis right now. And he's he's excited about the fact that he can get an efficiency apartment. Now, maybe he's thinking about the rig that he wants to put in there. Maybe he's thinking about... You know, the amount that he's going to have to save to travel all around the Oasis and, you know, on top of that, just to figure out, you know, uh, you know, the rest of the hunt. Maybe he's budgeting that out, but he doesn't really say. The scary thing is to think about an efficiency apartment being the type of place that a Michael Jordan
1: <laughs> yeah. could
0: afford in Well, he's in this not going to spend society. much
1: time around his apartment, though. I mean, he's going he's gonna to be logged in, you know. Who cares what your room looks like?
0: Right. But he's talking and I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that that's like the biggest deal. You know, I can understand why he would live in an efficiency apartment to save money yeah. and everything. But the fact remains, he's he's saying I can afford an efficiency yeah. apartment. So it's like, how much do those things cost? And we don't really we don't really come across that at this part.
1: It When he uh when he sends his like. 3d model of himself and everything i mean he could have just said you know sent back double it <laughs> double the offer <laughs> just
0: to see what I, we're, we're just, just with one see. of them yeah you know, like take the others and then just one of them like let's just see uh how about four times that and then you don't waste my time anymore <laughs> right because
1: <laughs> i've got the hunt yeah to do
0: I have something that none of you have. <laughs> I've cleared the first game and I was the first one to do it. Uh, but I mean, you know, that who knows what it looks like. Uh, it's just, you know, an interesting thought point for me. Um, yeah. So this is probably one of the most irritating things that I've read in the book so far. Uh, he he also separates out the messages from IOI. IOI sent their message over five thousand times okay mm-hmm. uh it was resent once every minute and they're just mail bombing him to make sure that he gets the message and the moment that he opens it it sends a, re- a red receipt back to IOI, so it chokes off the uh the constant flow of messages yeah that is such an like immediately if you want to lose my business <laughs> do that <laughs> that is yeah. the most irritating thing in the world well, I don't
1: I don't even answer 800 numbers. If I see a if I see a number on my on my phone that I don't recognize, I'm not even going to freaking answer it.
0: But if you know if it's And he knows who it is. Right. Like just let it go. And they're just like, <laughs> "Hmm. Okay, so we got to be delicate. We're we're the most hated faction in all of the Oasis and probably the world. And we want to get this kid's attention to know that he's actually going to respond to us. So what should we do? Well, we can mail bomb the shit out of him. Um, we, irritate yeah, him, annoy him. And, and basically just, uh, just kind of cyber stalk him with emails. <laughs> like, just, well,
1: I guess that for it, it forces them to open it, I guess. Fine. You know, like, let's just get this over. Right. With.
0: Fine. But it's just Almost. like, it's like, you're the most hated group in all of the Oasis. <laughs> You're just yeah. making him hate you more. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> piss him okay. off. Let's poke the. But I don't know
1: how much we how try much to... room is left yeah. for him to hate them more.
0: Yeah,
1: what's yeah, the... like? What do they have? uh oh, never mind. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I don't want to say it because it's a it's a line that's used later that I have I have an issue with. Oh, I was okay. gonna say, what do they have to lose? <laughs> Which was brought up later.
0: (laughs) We'll face that down here pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the letter is from Nolan Sorrento. Nolan Sorrento. um, Let's talk about him for a little bit because this is going to be a big figure. You could probably already tell in the rest of the book, John. Yeah. Yeah. it's interesting here. Uh, we, we talked about this in the community episode, by the way, I want to thank everybody who was on that community episode. It was so much fun recording with you guys, Uh golf machine, one amongst the fence, um, uh, Paul and Adam, you guys are the best. And, uh, we're looking forward to more community episodes coming up in the future, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, we did cover in our first community episode, um, the empire magazine article, um, with, uh, that, that featured in, uh, an interview with Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and in it, he refers to Sorrento as the CEO and head of hardware for IOI. Okay. (laughs) Uh, which is, which is clearly different from what he is in the book. Um, at least at this point, this is what we know. He, his title in the letter is, uh, head of operations. Uh, We don't really know anything more than that about Nolan Sorrento uh, as far as, you know, his title and his specific duties within, um, within IOI. Uh, But toward the end of the chapter, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here and then we'll, we'll kind of tie it back. But um, toward the end of the chapter, uh, Wade kind of does his homework on Sorrento. And I figured this is a good point to kind of bring up some of the things that he talks about. Um, Sorrento has a PhD in computer science uh, prior to becoming the head of operations at IOI, he had been a high-profile game designer. Doesn't say what company he worked for, um, mm-hmm. and he oversaw the creation of third-party RPG RPGs within the Oasis. So it would be sort of akin to them saying that they worked with Blizzard to port all of the World of Warcraft, you know, maps and things like that into the Oasis, so people could experience them that way. Um, so he was creating RPGs, kind of in that same in that same yeah. vein. Um, Wade had played all of Sorrento's games and he actually enjoyed them he was a good coder but he had turned to the dark side Um, Sorrento was picked up by IOI specifically to lead the quest for the egg Uh, and given his notoriety and background in RPGs that's not really surprising that was probably exactly the type of person that they were looking for to lead that up um, but still five years later, you've got five people up on the board right now and absolutely nothing to show for it. So he's got a little bit of egg on his face going into this conversation. <laughs> right Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a little bit of a breakdown on uh, Sorrento at this point in the book. Um, it's pretty clear that the Sixers are trying to recruit Wade, recruit Wade now. Um, yeah And we're they're probably going after every single other person that's on the board as well.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, doesn't, I mean, doesn't it say, uh, we'd like, we'd like you to be the first year offer. And if you don't, then we'll move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's likely they're reaching out to everybody who's on the board. I mean, they, they want a piece of this pie too. They've got a team between a team of just thousands of people working in, um, working in IOI, uh, you know, to find the egg. And it's some scrub kid from the stacks (laughs) that's beat him to it. And he didn't even need to use money or resources or anything like that. I mean, you think about for a staff of thousands, each of them are experts in their particular pop culture field. And not a one of them can touch this kid from, from absolutely nowhere. Yeah, uh, it's pretty it's, you know, it's an underdog story. <laughs> right. We know that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they basically, you know, I mean, you, you get the idea here. Um, they're not going to stop until they get information from somebody, whether it's Wade or H or Artemis or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so very surprisingly, <laughs> Wade decides to go for it. <laughs> And says, yeah. "There's no, there's no harm in just going in there." And he says a line that, when people talk about how they dislike Wade as a character, <laughs> you know, people detractors from the book, this is a line that they bring up a lot uh, that I've seen. Is uh, he goes in there, he considers picking up a new skin uh, for his yeah. avatar, but says, "No, I'm going to go in the, <laughs> I'm going to roll in there." Uh, with my default skin and a fuck off attitude, <laughs> <laughs> and when people when people who are detractors of the book talk about why they dislike the writing in it, this is one of the lines they often quote.
1: Really? Yeah, I thought it was. So, I thought it was fine. I, I thought mean, it was kind of yeah. It, like yeah. it's an
0: eighteen year old kid. This I mean, is exactly yeah. what he would probably say.
1: But before that, he's before he makes that decision. In the email, Sorrento says, "And this is, I mean, what what villain has not said this at some point? What have you got to lose? Um, Everything, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Everything I've worked for the past four or five years.
0: (laughs) I've I've got a lot to lose, man. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, I have more now than I did 24 (laughs) hours ago. Yeah. Or however long ago. I mean, like, yeah, I've
1: (laughs) yeah." Last week, I yeah, nothing. I nothing.
0: Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, but now, uh, so much. <laughs> my life, Everything. my entire life. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like he's like, hmm. Well, I guess I've got nothing to lose. I'll meet him. Well, I mean, who wants to? He wants to hear what he has to offer. He's he's interested. He's like, well, they. He feels kind of I don't know a little full of himself at this point. Yeah. Like, IOI wants me. Well, I mean. That's a good
0: feeling. For the past it's thing,
1: nice to be wanted.
0: For for a whole chapter, he's going back through and he's reading, you know, fan mail, basically. Yeah. I mean, for the, for this part of the chapter, he's going through and he's reading fan mail. His ego, by the time he finally, you know, decides to open up the IOI thing, has got to be through. The, it's a good thing he's outside because his head probably <laughs> wouldn't fit through a fucking door at this point. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you know, this is a kid who, can, like, like we said before. I mean, he, he, you know, he's right now literally sitting in the back of a van in the poorest part of the country, yeah. And he's he's reading through millions of pieces of fan mail. I mean, it's 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 got to be just a mind fuck for somebody like that. You know what I mean?
1: Right, but I just. For me, I kind of wish. I mean, if he's if like he like he says a fuck off attitude, kind of wish he would have had it at this moment. Just yeah. ah fuck him.
0: <laughs> Piss off, man. I
1: don't need. I don't need to talk to them.
0: <laughs> but regardless, uh, after doing his homework on Sorrento, Wade decides that he's going to sit down with the devil. Hits the chat the chat link invite, and he's on his way to meet Lo- Nolan Sorrento.
1: On his um, way to chapter 14. On his way to
0: chapter 14, <laughs> which we will discuss next week, and damn it, it's a good chapter. John, you have got, you've got you've got something to look forward to, man.
1: <laughs> Something's bound to happen.
0: I mean, <laughs> we'll see. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know if you can even guess what happens, but we won't go into it, because I don't want to spoil a damn thing. It's one of the best chapters in the book. For, for me, I'm, honestly, guys, this is... This is probably my favorite chapter in this book. And we're going to have somebody joining us for this chapter, for chapter 14. Uh, his name is Willie Simpson. He's the host of the X-Men TAS podcast. You should check it out. It's on iTunes or any place where fine podcasts are found. Um, but we'll be having Willie Simpson join us for that episode. We're really excited to have him. Um, do you have any closing thoughts?
1: Um. He just seems really distracted right now. That's the only thing that I mean, I wish he would kind of (laughs) just just say, fuck off to Sorrento. Let me get to this fucking riddle. And uh, he's shown his age in this chapter quite a bit. So I'm kind of I'm like I'm wavering on whether or not I like his uh, where his head is at right now. Yeah, we'll see if he corrects it.
0: This is one of those places where <laughs> having a knowledge of the remainder of the book.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's basically been the
0: that's the, first the theme of the podcast.
1: Twelve <laughs> chapters. <laughs> well, if you knew what happened later, it kind of makes more sense. Yeah. Or you would see why it's <laughs> why it plays out like this.
0: But uh, at any rate, before we go, I do have a special announcement to share with uh, you, our listeners. Uh, this is something we're really excited to do. This is going to be a spin-off of Get to the Good Part. Um, it's, it's going to be Get to the Good Part. Um, you know, we're not going to spin off and do another podcast or anything like that. But it should make for a little more content for those of you who can't wait for an episode. Once a week, uh, it'll fill out some of that time. Um, as you know, we sat down with four of our uh, community guests uh, the other day, and it was just a blast. Um, we've actually started a Discord chat between the people who host there and a few other people in the community, just tossing around ideas. And one of the things we discussed, one of the things we discussed, was you know. The, the quality and the volume of fan fiction we've seen written around Ready Player One. Uh, so one of the things that we're going to do um, is we're going to – it's not going to be on a weekly basis. It might be biweekly um, or, or once a month. We're not really sure. We don't have it nailed down yet. But we're going to sit down with our community hosts, um, Golf Machine, Paul, Adam, um, One Among the Fence. You, you're going to see those guys come back. And instead of doing a chapter of the book, we're going to do a chapter of fan fiction. We're going to ask the person who wrote that fan fiction to come on and we're going to discuss what's in that fan fiction. We're going to post that fan fiction with the episode uh, so people can can read it and then they can come in and they can listen to us talk about it with the person who wrote that fan fiction. Um, Just kind of, you know, think of it as get to the good part for the things that you guys are creating. And it doesn't have to be fan fiction. It can be some other things. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from you guys listening, um, about how the, those, uh, community hosted and, you know, they, I, I think they all really appreciated it. So thank you very much for giving us your feedback on that. Uh, the other thing too, I want to remind everybody, uh, we are planning to, uh, release a, Basically audio play of Andy Weir's Lucero chapter. Um, I won't go too much into detail on that since uh, John, John can't really earmuffs me right yeah, now, no. yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're basically going to do uh, we're, we're inviting people to send us clips, um, examples of them doing readings of one of the characters from the book or multiple characters. If you like um, send us, you know, you can record it in GarageBand or whatever uh, you know, whatever software you prefer um, send us a, uh, an MP3 of, of a, a clip of that, uh, as a test so that we can kind of hear and we'll see if, you know, if you guys, you know, if, 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 if you have kind of what we're looking for, we'll reach back out and we'll, we'll work with you, but send us a Dropbox link with that audio clip as an example. Um, and, and hopefully we can put this thing together in the next couple months. We're really excited about it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but, but other than that, that's, that's, that pretty much ties it up for our announcements. A lot of, uh, a lot of news all at once, but yeah. um, just some things we're kind of doing on the side to fill out content and give you guys something else to listen to as we wait for March 30th, 2018, when this movie finally freaking comes out. <laughs> we're all excited for it. But, uh, John, do you have anything else to add?
1: Uh, no, I do oh. not.
0: Okay, well, then, without anything further from the Peanut Gallery, we'll see you next week for chapter 14. Until then, I'm Ryan. I'm John. So long.